Heavenly Father, as we head into this episode, I pray for all those who are using their talents and gifts to bring your gospel to the nations. I pray for those who attack the faith, that they see the light of our works and are drawn to the saving word and grace of our Lord and Savior. May your blessing be upon those listening to this broadcast. I pray in the name above all names, the risen Christ Jesus. Amen. Welcome to JC and Me. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Karen Stiller is an editor and author whose work has appeared in publications like The Walrus, Reader's Digest, Faith Today, and In Trust. She is the senior editor of Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, and host of the podcast of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. She has been presented with several awards, including close to a dozen Canadian Church Press Awards. She has authored and co-authored several books, such as The Lord's Prayer, Shifting Stats, Shaking the Church, Evangelicals Around the World, A Global Handbook, and Going Missional, to name but a few. In her podcast, she has interviewed guests such as Max Lucado, and she has published several written interviews with guests such as William Paul Young, author of The Shack. Karen lives in Ottawa with her husband Brent, who is an Anglican priest. They have three awesome adult children and a dog named Dewey. On the line with us today is Karen Stiller. Karen Stiller, my sister in Christ, thank you for making the time today. Oh, thank you. So your latest book, I know you're promoting a book currently, The Minister's Wife. Would you tell us about it? Oh, sure. Thank you. Yes, uh, it's called The Minister's Wife, a memoir of faith, doubt, friendship, loneliness, forgiveness, and more um, with Tim Dalhouse Publishers. And it is um, a spiritual memoir. So that means I'm looking at uh, different issues and themes that, you know, are kind of universal to all of us in our human <laughs> faith journey, but particularly through uh, my experiences and my life as a minister's wife that has, you know, really shaped me and obviously been a huge part of, of my faith life and my just day-to-day life. And when you're, when you're conceiving a book to author the book, do you feel called by the Holy Spirit to do so? And, and how are you inspired to take pen to paper and take on a particular topic? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I, I know that there are some uh, Christian writers who would, you know, answer an, enthousi- an enthusiastic yes. <laughs> to that. And then they would probably intimidate me uh, with that answer because that, that hasn't been exactly my experience, um, at least maybe the way um, your words would suggest. Like I, the way I sort of came up with this idea or felt led to write it was a, a little more almost mechanical in some ways. I had gone back to school. Um, like I've been a writer for 20 some odd years. That's my job that's what I do for a living as and also work as an editor so I had gone back to school um, to do a master's in writing just to go deeper into that work and I had the opportunity to write a book-length manuscript really about anything I wanted and so I decided um, that you know I wanted to explore my life as a minister's wife and and what that has meant for my faith and my family and so on and in the church. And um, so then I started moving ahead in that. And I would like to think that that 
was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it came also, you know, through a lot of thinking and praying and struggling and wrestling, which of course is sometimes how the Holy Spirit works too. So (laughs) that's my long answer to that. And it's a fine answer. Your book, The Lord's Prayer. Right. Uh, when I was looking through to prepare the bio for this show, uh, I went to your website, and uh, I was really captured by this. And by the way, the, the website is karenstiller.com. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about the book, The Lord's Prayer? Absolutely. So that, um, for me as, a, as an editor-writer, that was an editing uh, task I was given to do where um, Wycliffe College, which is an evangelical Anglican seminary on the University of Toronto campus. I've done some work with them over the years, and their faculty had uh, preached a series of reflections or sermons on the Lord's Prayer, and they, you know, captured them and asked me to edit them and um, help put them together in, in as a collection. So, you know, that would be an example of um, how you know, the kind of work, say, that a Christian editor would do along the way to have the opportunity to work with other writers and thinkers and help them, you know, fine-tune their message, shall we say. So, yeah, that's how that book came about. And how many books have you authored authored in your entire career? Um, I have co-authored uh, two. Um, one with, with a writing partner that I frequently do work with um, for the charity World Vision that was called Shifting Stats that looked at uh, how the church in Canada was responding to different societal trends and pressures almost. Um, I co-authored a second book called Going Missional, which was the same thing um, uh, with World Vision, again, another large Canadian Christian charity, uh, thinking about how the church is present in our society at this time. And then I was uh, editor of a book called Evangelicals Around the World, a global handbook for the 20th century, um, which was with the World Evangelical Alliance. And again, bringing together a whole bunch of thinkers and writers, um, kind of pondering who the church is and how the church can be in different countries and cultures around the world. And then um, a writing book called Craft, Cost, and Call, How to Build a Life as a Christian Writer with, again, my writing partner, um, occasional writing partner, Patricia Patty. So that was born out of um, both of our experiences as, you know, kind of midlife writers, uh, realizing we were starting to mentor younger writers more and more. And, you know, meeting a lot of young Christians who wanted to explore you know, can I make a living? Can I build a life as a Christian writer? So that book was in response to that. And then The Minister's Life is um, really probably my, like for me personally, if I can use the word biggest book, but it feels like the biggest book for me because it's so personal and it's, you know, it is in the genre of memoir. So it's, um, you know, it's meant to be personal, but also, you know, very much in the spirit of how, telling our true stories to each other and being honest and vulnerable and transparent can actually help us all in our faith journey and, you know, in our communities and in our churches. So, yeah, that's the spirit in which I wrote that. Your first book was entitled Going Missional. 
and was a storytelling journey across Canada of 13 churches looking for a better way. Would you share with us your experience of writing that book? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, as uh, as a, a Christian writer who is like a, a journalist kind of writer, I um, have spent a lot of time in my writing career telling the stories of other people or other churches. And so that was very much that experience was, you know, interviewing churches across the country, um, hearing their stories of how they were responding to the needs of their communities by coming alongside them. Um, you know, in the in the missional vocabulary, there's this question that gets asked, like, what is God already doing? You know, where is God already at work? And how churches can come alongside that, sometimes with other churches, sometimes with community partners or individuals, and just share the love of Christ in the community, and in, in this context, by acts of service. So that was really what that book was about and it was it was a lot of fun it was I love interviewing people um like you're doing such a good job of <laughs> and I love to hear their stories and you know find out what worked and what didn't and then craft that into hopefully a compelling you know chapter or essay or whatever you want to call it so that other people can learn from it so you know writers are kind of a bridge uh, or they can be a bridge between people and ideas and so that book was very much in that vein and yeah lots of fun karen how did you come to christ would you just take us through your walk with god for sure uh thank you for that question i i grew up attending a united church with my family and you know that was in um you know the 60s and 70s and 80s when really it was much more you know typical to go to church so we were a family that went to church every Sunday and I learned um, very much that I was loved by God and you know I learned the stories of the Bible and so on but I, I would say for me in my university years was really when I decided to take it seriously <laughs> if I can use that language where I really thought yeah it's if this is true and if Jesus really did, you know, come and live among us and die, and if he really did rise again, then this really does matter. And I started to, you know, view the gospel in a different way and hear it in a different way and definitely experience it in a different way and decided, yeah, I want to follow Jesus and live my life differently because of this relationship that, you know, pretty well has to change your life. And so then um, that was a very important turning point for me. And then I married in 1990, my husband and I uh, married in Halifax. And then he was kind of experiencing calling uh, into the ministry, you know, at that time, like reading deeply um, in different traditions, thinking theologically, like you're just exploring things. And so then we moved to Vancouver to Regent College where he did his Masters of Divinity. And that for me was another very deepening time in my faith because I, I worked at the college. So I got to sit in on classes and lectures and meet all these really interesting writers and just really experienced Christian community, I think for probably one of the first times in a very profound way. And yeah, and then thus began our life in the church. And um, being 
married to a pastor. Um, being a minister's wife has uh, call, called me into the deep waters of faith again and again, I think, um, through just being so present in the life of the church, through being present in the lives of other people, even sometimes when I didn't want to and I felt cranky about that. <laughs> and then, you know, that's been like a way to for me to be honest with God and others about my shortcomings and then, you know, experiencing his grace and, and the grace of community. So, yeah, that's kind of been my journey. Karen, as we look at your bio on your website, uh, your work has appeared in publications like the Walrus Reader's Digest, Faith Today, Interest. You're a senior editor uh, of Faith Today or a co-senior editor of Faith Today, Canada Christian Magazine. You host your own podcast. You're obviously making appearances on multiple other podcasts, and I'm sure that's just the start of, of your uh, daily and weekly regimen. So the question being, how does one who's wearing so many hats and who's so busy in multiple engagements and, and, and uh, focus, you know, directions and disciplines, how does one ensure that they're able to keep Christ at the forefront amongst a busy life and, and not let the, the careers dilute the spirituality behind and conviction behind their faith? How do you keep Christ in the forefront amongst all of this? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I'll say that I'm I'm not as busy as it sounds <laughs> when, you, when you read all that out, out loud, but, um, but I still appreciate the question. So let me say that um, I have, I've struggled with that. I, and I think that anyone, you know, that same question could be and should be probably pondered by anyone in any kind of Christian leadership, like to not let the work of of it or the busyness of it replace the relationship that should be behind it. And so I don't know that I've always been great at that. But one thing, um, well, a couple of things, a couple of years ago, I realized I'm I'm writing about people doing really good things all the time and I'm writing about people serving and ministering and giving sacrificially to the communities but what am I actually doing and I realized you know not not much that didn't in some way also serve me and also serve our church um, which isn't a bad thing but can also get mixed up when you're a minister's wife so <clears throat> pardon me I decided then to um volunteer outside of our community and so I started delivering Meals on Wheels for example and I became a therapy dog visiting team with my dog in seniors homes and that was really um, good for me I think to be moved out of just writing about stuff you know to actually doing some stuff so so that was important um, but to get back to the heart of your question like my church community uh, consistently attending church, participating in that community has been a huge discipline in my life. And that may sound like a given because you're, you know, of course the pastor's wife should go to church, but uh, it still helps <laughs> you know, whether or not people think you're uh, obligated to attend. It's still an, a crucial part of my uh, spiritual life. I, also, when we, we live in Ottawa now, we moved to Ottawa a few years ago, and I discovered this wonderful ministry um, called One Way Ministries 
that cares for the families of people in ministry. And as part of that, they host a Bible study for uh, women married to clergy, basically, and or people in Christian oh, leadership. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it is. And I mean, and I will say they also do things for women leaders, but they also recognize that uh, there are special pressures, maybe, or um, you know, ways in which ministers' wives can support each other in a environment of confidentiality and worship and studying scripture. So I have absolutely loved that. And when I first went, I was like, where have you been all my life? Like, that's how I felt. It was just so wonderful. So, so that's been a beautiful thing for me in the last couple of years. And I also um, started to see a spiritual director in the last six months. So that's, you know, a very ancient Christian practice of sitting with someone who is trained and is an excellent listener and can, you know, prayerfully together explore scripture, read scripture, pray together, and, you know, gently challenge um, the person they're meeting with to consider where God is showing up in their lives or how to listen to God's calling in our lives. So that's a newer part of my journey, but I can see that it will be important. So, and, you know, I try to spend time in scripture every day. And during this pandemic, I, I've been reading through the New Testament just day by day, chapter by chapter, and I found that to be really beautiful. So, and I'm, my answer is probably getting too long. I read a lot of spiritual books. I, again, maybe because I'm a writer, I, I turn to writing uh, to help feed me. And, and so I, I benefit greatly uh, from the work that other people have done. So, yeah. Good answer. Uh, yeah, and, and I appreciate your candor and honesty because I feel that, uh, I mean, ministry alone, uh, you could be wearing multiple hats within ministry. I can tell you that personally. And whether it's it's leading church services or Bible studies or individual counseling or, or in, in my case, in, in addition to that, um, producing a podcast and a weekly video and, and articles and so forth, uh, you do run into the danger of it becoming just a job. In other words, you can become right. so busy and it becomes so routine that the human condition is that you become slightly spiritually detected and heaven forbid we become, uh, you know, like stereotypical surgeons where, where people say, wow, that person's bedside manner really stinks. I expected more from a pastor, you know, exactly. or, or, yeah. or, 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 or from an author of Christian work. But I, I have to agree with you. I really believe that time in Scripture is imperative, that prayer is imperative. And, yes, being part of a church community really helps us. It's, it's kind of like going home and visiting family. It helps reconnect us with our roots. Uh, but exactly. I think the, the idea behind keeping God at the forefront of everything that we do is just that. It is a challenge of consciously ensuring that God is at the forefront of everything that we do in our thoughts and not just in our thoughts and our behaviors, but taking time to, to pause daily and reflect in prayer, reflect before we are doing something to ensure that we are including God in that because it's so easy in this busy 21st century information age with so many hats to wear to uh, to just become routine. So, yeah, I appreciate that answer. Karen, a personal question. Has there been an unfortunate event or something that happened in your life that was unfortunate where you really had to call on that faith 
to help get you through. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know, not to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was thinking more, um, honestly, I, I was thinking, laughing more, thinking like, oh, so many. Um, you know, I think that uh, in in the book, in my book, The Minister's Wife, I have a chapter called Disappointment, actually, where I talk about um, just the disappointment I felt when we had uh, applied for a certain church and did not get that appointment. And for me, it triggered off uh, just a depth of disappointment and heartbreak, um, mostly because I just really wanted to live in that particular city. (laughs) But I really had to grapple with uh, who you know, why, why am I so crushed? Where was my hope? What was I thinking? How did I, you know, how do I understand what it means when doors open and doors shut? And, and what is my relationship with God here? And, you know, what does it mean to follow Jesus no matter what truly? And yeah, I really, I had to really wrestle and, um, and really allow myself actually to feel what I was feeling and and not cover it up and pretend that everything was okay, but really grapple with all my hard questions and pushing back and and you know, I had to work it out. And yes, absolutely scripture helped me understand you know, the Psalms help. They are full of crying out to God and brutal honesty and, you know, the depths of where we can go as disappointed heartbroken people but then you know returning to yet yet will I praise you and I will still follow you and you know despite this and because of that and all those things we do and also the rhythm of remembering that we see in scripture where I think particularly in the Old Testament I see that theme of remember when I was with you then remember when you know you experienced me back at that spot and and that drawing on those times of joy in our memory bank um, and intimacy with God back then help us now. So I definitely experienced God in that way. And then also through, you know, through the community, again, like uh, that particular incident, um, I called a friend who I knew had gone through something similar and she helped me a lot. So I think, um, you know, we experience the comfort of God in times of great difficulty. Yeah, through him showing up personally, through through scripture, and, and through the love of a good friend who knows how to walk beside us. So I've definitely had those, you know, experiences in my life with big things and little things. I mean, you know, they scale up and scale down, right? We can, we can have a, a bad hour and a bad day and, and feel all kinds of feelings that we need to work through, or we can have these big, what feel like really big events and, and sometimes what are really horrible things that happen in our lives. And, and yeah, I think God, God shows up in those big and little ways. I always find it interesting too, how we can be experiencing an event like that, that seems so unfortunate and it seems so big. And then heaven forbid, it's then foreshadowed, like in the shadow of an even bigger tragedy in our life. Right, and then we're right. able to look back and go, why was I even concerned about that? 
Because <laughs> this is yeah. truly much bigger. And yes, obviously God is there with us through it all. And not to sound cliche, but we obviously have to have trust in his plan and in his timing. And yeah. we have to ensure that that doesn't just become a cliche in our life. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Do you have any friends or family that are non-believers? Oh, yeah, for sure I do. Yes, both. And do you have to manage around that, or how do you manage around it? Or do you just, you know, take it life as, you know, they, it, it's life as usual and just uh, how are you able to relate in terms of what you do with those who are non-believers? Because I do, too. I have, I have close friends who are, who are non-believers, or at least they feel they are. They profess they are. I have yeah. my suspicions that they're not as much so as they say at times. But um, and, and so, yeah, there's a lot that I'd like to share and talk about with them, and I generally do, but they look at it from a secular, almost atheist perspective, whereas I'm talking about it from a deeply spiritual perspective. So how do you manage that? Well, I would say that, uh, first of all, I, I've learned, as I'm sure you have, that I can't control how other people hear me or understand me. But what I can, uh, so, you know, how they hear me is completely out of my hands. Uh, having said that, I, the way I am is literally the way I am. <laughs> like I am yeah. just myself with them. And, you know, they're imperfect you know, weird friend, Karen, or cousin, or whatever I am to that person. So I uh, I try to be trans- just as transparent with them as I would be with anyone and have a genuine relationship out of which comes the opportunity at times to have genuine conversations. Um, so, you know, I had somebody recently uh, with the tragedies in Nova Scotia, the mass shootings, you know, I was talking to uh, where I'm from, Nova Scotia, someone very dear to me who said, how can you believe in God? And, you know, she wanted an answer. And I was there to give one, you know, and, and I, I gave a very short answer because I know she wasn't looking for a sermon. But I think when we are present deeply in genuine relationship with people who are not not believers in our lives, we will have the opportunity to share the love of Christ, you know, in words and action in due time, because we just will if we're living life with people. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, I wrote most of my book, The Minister's Wife, within the, um, within a master's program I was doing, which was extremely secular. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I was the only Christian in the program, but I was certainly the only one going around blabbing about it <laughs> because I was writing about it. And my fellow classmates were workshopping my writing, you know, meaning I would read it to them or they'd have it printed out in front of them. And they were digging into these chapters I was writing about things like doubt and marriage and church and, you know, faith and forgiveness and and they were asking questions about it. And and then we would go out and have dinner together and laugh our heads off over a, a silly joke. And we would we were experiencing life together. And we became friends. And I think good friends. And so somehow, and I know that because I, I write very honestly about, you know, my life and myself and faith and doubt and questions, um, 
they we were able to have really honest conversations and you know they would say things like wow i you know you're different than what i thought a minister's wife would be or or oh you know i thought one woman actually said to me i thought church was all about you know just people being goody two shoes or something like literally had that idea and shared it with me so and you know i so i really think that i almost don't think about that question you've asked i i i think about just being a good friend or a good sister or a good cousin or whatever it is and and hopefully and i think inevitably good conversations happen and even then that conversation i try to listen more then I'm talking. And if I wait for the invitation and then share. Karen, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to speak with me today. And may your light continue to shine upon all those around you, both believers and non-believers. And God bless you and your husband's ministry. Christ be with you. Oh, thank you so much, Joseph. And with you. You have been listening to my interview with Karen Stiller. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Thank you for listening to JC and me. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. May Christ be with you and God bless you this week.